life is not going to be stopped by terrorism. Thank you. I agree. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM people-powered radio in L.A. In Oregon on 91.7 FM KYEQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove. In Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster. In Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. In Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM in Columbus. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And yes, coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik five days a week, blanketing planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today. You have uh, seen the news. You have been watching what is going on in the beautiful seaside French resort town of Nice. The death toll is now at 84, at least, uh, including at least 10 children with more than 200 others injured, many gravely. So that death toll could still go higher. Uh, two of the dead are reportedly an American and his 11-year-old son. The driver of the truck that plowed into a group of holiday goers uh, during Bastille Day celebrations uh, was reportedly unknown as a terror threat by security officials. He had been sentenced in March to a six-month suspended prison sentence for use of a weapon. That case involved him and another motorist, and the weapon was a piece of wood. According to officials, no terror groups have yet claimed responsibility. But the, uh, the terror attack, no matter what group, if any, was behind it, has been decried by world leaders with France suggesting that ISIS or uh, related groups were behind it and that they planned to increase their military actions against those groups in the Middle East. Uh, for today, I don't really have uh, much that I, I can or that I wish to add to that coverage, uh, nor do I uh, wish to let it sideline us here. I, I think I join with uh, Laura Haim of Canal Plus. How do you Canal say that? Plus. Plus. Uh, who was on uh, MSNBC last night as the news was breaking uh, when uh, she said this. It's a very, very important uh, history moment in France tonight. People are in shock. There's a huge emotional aspect. And uh, as uh, some uh, officials pointed out, the country now needs to be resilient and need to show to the world that life is not going to be stopped by terrorism. Life is not going to be stopped by terrorists or terrorism. 
Um, Art Goldhammer, who's a French po uh, politics blogger and an affiliate of the Harvard Center for European Study, he wrote about the uh, Nice attacks uh, to say it was also an attack designed to inflict maximum despair. Despair rather than damage. Damage is not the point of these horrors, he says, although there is damage enough, carnage enough, blood enough. The point is to induce desperation and trigger an emotional, irrational, disproportionate, and ill-targeted response. And I fear, he says, that the enemy is on the point of achieving its goal. I share that same fear. Uh, if I fear anything, it is not terrorism. It is uh, capitulating to it. It is delivering the exact response that terrorists want. Um, so the enemy, as he describes it, may be on point of uh, on the point of achieving the, its goal, uh, but not here. We're not going to let fear and terrorism hijack our lives. This show. We're not going to allow the evil people to accomplish what they hope, which is, frankly, to create terror, to terrorize us, to control the narrative, whether it's in France, in Europe, uh, and, of course, here in the U.S. Donald Trump played into those uh, the hands by deciding to, uh, to cancel his planned Friday official announcement of who would be his vice presidential nominee. Uh, he played into that... Uh, into exactly what they hoped uh, by canceling that Friday announcement, that uh, planned announcement on Friday, rescheduling that for Saturday. Uh, but this attack in Nice, as we've been warning over the months, works very nicely. Thank you for Trump's campaign um, and exactly the, the type of fear he has been trying to stoke. But we are not playing along here at the broadcast. We are not giving... Uh, this gift to the bad guys. Uh, what happened was indescribably awful. The loss of life is uh, in one of the world's most beautiful cities, frankly, is beyond words. They will mourn. We will join them in spirit, but we're not going to give them the time and the tears and the fear that they seek. The best way that we, I think, can combat this horror is by going on with our daily lives and by not capitulating to those who stoke fear and pain and suffering for political gain. So to that end, we will press on uh, today with our regular programming, if you can call it that. Uh, we will continue to inform the electorate so that those in this country at least can uh, can make hopefully make some educated decisions about the direction of the world in which we all wish to live and uh, to that end we have our own crises i mean conventions uh to deal with coming up in the next week or two so in the hopes that we can make some smart decisions rather than those made out of fear, for now we will move on, and not out of sensitivity, but to stand, frankly, against those who want us to cower. We will not do so on this program. Donald Trump, he might, but we won't. He has now confirmed that his pick for the Republican vice presidential nominee will, in fact, be Indiana Governor Mike Pence, an early Tea Party supporter and a longtime favorite of the billionaire Koch brothers, who have yet to throw in their support, by the way, for Donald Trump. Trump's original uh, official announcement, as I said, was scheduled for Friday morning. That's been postponed. 
Uh, it was postponed the night of the uh, the terror attack in Nice. As we have noted previously, the uh, 57-year-old Pence is the six-term former U.S. congressman, current one-term Republican governor from Indiana, facing otherwise uh, difficult re-election prospects in his own home state this year, due in no small part to his controversial approval uh, last year of an anti-LGBT uh, bill, uh, legislation that uh, has brought a lot of political and economic blowback to the Hoosier state. Uh, as also noted, he was formerly a right-wing talk radio host, so that ought to help out with the wingnut vote that's already enamored with the wingnut-in-chief at the top of the ticket. Uh, Pence's decision last year to sign a so-called religious freedom bill in Indiana uh, which is really an LGBT discrimination bill that even even Arizona's former governor, Jan Brewer, who at the time when uh, an almost identical bill came before her, even she, who we have once uh, described, we, she once held our title on this program for the dumbest governor in America, at least until Maine's Paul LePage took over that title, perhaps for all of history, by the way, uh, even Brewer had vetoed a very similar uh, Republican bill in her state, knowing that the backlash that the state businesses would feel from corporate and tourist boycotts and blowback um, would be crippling to the state. So she wouldn't sign it. But Mike Pence signed it anyway. The presumptive vice presidential nominee at this point, he was happy to sign it. And he's been trying to deal with the backlash ever since that ill-considered decision. And that is likely why he did not run for president last year against Donald Trump uh, after uh, Pence had been seen as a contender up until he signed the bill um, for uh, the, uh, in, in a political sense. Pence has been diametrically opposed to a number of very key Donald Trump positions that have been central to Trump's candidacy. For example, Trump supported TARP. That was the government bailout of the big banks. Trump uh, supported that originally. Pence opposed it, for example. The New York Times and others report on some of the other apparent conflicts between Trump and Pence's positions. Uh, they note, for example, that Pence strongly endorsed free trade agreements like NAFTA and the Trans-Pacific Partnership, that's TPP, the Asian trade deal that Trump has described as a rape, that's a quote, a rape of the American economy, says Donald Trump. Meanwhile, Mike Pence had been out there uh, supporting trade deals such as that. Pence voted for the Iraq war. Trump eventually condemned the Iraq war, though he did not do so initially, as has been misreported for a while about Donald Trump and as Donald, because Donald Trump likes to lie about it and say that he was, oh, I was against it from the beginning. No, not really. That's not true. Uh, last winter, Pence denounced Donald Trump's call to ban all Muslim uh, immigration into the U.S. He tweeted back in December of 2015 Quote, calls to ban Muslims from entering the U.S. are offensive and unconstitutional. Guess, guess they're not that offensive. Uh, that was one of the reasons, by the way, that uh, Mike Pence uh, last year endorsed Ted Cruz just before the Indiana primary in his own home state. He endorsed the only guy who could have uh, taken down Donald Trump at that point. Pence claims to have been offended by Trump's call to ban Muslims. 
but apparently not that offended, I guess. Uh, you know, it's funny uh, how willing to put aside closely held beliefs, these beliefs these guys care so much about, uh, at least these beliefs that they pretend to care so much about. Uh, they'll just put them aside in exchange for power or even just a job because it looked like uh, Mike Pence may well have been out of a job this November had he uh, run for re-election in Indiana since he's so unpopular in the Hoosier state. The, the, uh, the Times, New York Times, goes on to note that if those views uh, p- place Mr. Pence at odds with Mr. Trump, they are in line with the outlook of the Republican leaders in the uh, in the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate. They praised Mike Pence on Wednesday. Both Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, Speaker of the U.S. House, Mitch McConnell, Republican Majority Leader in the U.S. Senate, lauded the idea of Pence as the Veep nominee on Wednesday. Uh, which, as presidential historian and longtime Republican and, and presidential advisor Doug Weed, who we uh, talked to on this program yesterday, as he told us on yesterday's program, uh, the support from guys like Ryan and McConnell is likely one of the big reasons that Donald Trump is placing him on the ticket in the first place to hopefully win some of that support from the GOP establishment that he has pretended at least to eschew. Uh, although, uh, Desi Doyen, you tell me that, was it CNN? Dana Bash uh, said as late as last night? Yes, Dana Bash posted a scoop on her Twitter feed saying that as late as last night, midnight last night, <laughs> Trump was apparently telling, asking his top aides if it was too late to change his mind. <laughs> really? And uh, somebody else replied and said, wow, that shows what a hot mess it is if they're even telling this to CNN. Right. Okay, well, right. If they're telling it to CNN, if it's true, it's only one person reporting it, uh, uh, CNN, Dana Bash over there. Uh, But yeah, hot mess indeed. Prior to becoming uh, governor, by the way, Mike Pence uh, served in the U.S. House, as I noted, and as BuzzFeed found uh, a couple of months ago when they were digging up a lot of old uh, uh, Pence's old congressional statements. This was last year in the midst of the controversy concerning Pence's uh, uh, signing of that so-called Religious Freedom Bill. Uh, Religious Freedom Restoration Act is what uh, they called it. BuzzFeed's Andrew Kaczynski dug into the Internet Wayback Machine. He found some of Pence's old, now-deleted op-eds from his congressional days. Uh, he, He filed a piece last year headlined, Smoking Doesn't Kill and Other Great Old Op-Eds from Mike Pence. Yes, uh, Mike Pence is a... uh, Is a tobacco denier? A tobacco denier. Um, Here's just an example from some of those op-eds. This one uh, is from... uh, Well, this was archived in March of 2001. So it was either from then or before then, when he was in Congress. Uh, He wrote... Uh, We will hear about the scourge of tobacco and the resultant premature deaths. We will hear about how this phalanx of government elites has suddenly grown a conscience after decades of subsidizing the product, which we are now told, quote, kills millions of Americans each year, unquote. So he's using scare quotes. Yes, Yes, we're told that. Uh, He adds time for a quick reality check. Despite the hysteria from the political class and the media, smoking doesn't kill. (laughs) In fact, two out of every three smokers does not die from a (laughs) smoking-related illness. 
Oh my God. So that means one third of smokers yeah. die. Yeah. Oh my God. And nine out of 10 smokers do not contract lung cancer. Only, you know, 10%, I guess, if you believe his numbers. The others, I guess, die through heart attack and uh, All everything the other else. Things. Right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, he, he talked about uh, b- backhanded big government disguised in do-gooder healthcare rhetoric when it comes to smoking. I think the final line, if I remember correctly, the final line is pretty stunning. Uh, those of you who find the tobacco deal acceptable should be warned as you sit reading this magazine. A government big enough to go after smokers is big enough to go after you? The government is not going after smokers. The government was going after the tobacco companies. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, good point. Uh, and uh, also, uh, it's not just tobacco and these two these two points and you've made this point for years desi doyan uh that these two things go in hand in hand the people who are denying climate change are the same people who are denying uh the the dangers of tobacco oh literally the same people literally and we see one right here mike pence the presumptive nominee for vice president who is a huge climate change denier this from uh, also from uh, what BuzzFeed dug up from uh, Mike Pence's old op-eds. Here's how this one uh, starts. Uh, it's headlined Global Warming Disaster. Global warming is a myth. The Global Warming Treaty is a disaster. There, I said it. He was talking about the Kyoto Treaty back then um, under uh, uh, Clinton and, uh, and Gore. Uh, he describes uh, the environmental movement as chicken little movement, that they're really just attempting to raise taxes, grow centralized governmental power. The chant is, quote, the sky is warming, the sky is warming. He writes, here's the deal. Environmentalists claim that certain greenhouse gases, and those are in quotes, like carbon dioxide, are mucking up the atmosphere and causing the earth to gradually warm. Despite the fact that CO2 is a naturally occurring phenomenon in nature, the green fe- Greenpeace folks want to blame it all on coal, another natural minimal- mineral, and certain evil coal-burning power plants. The theory is get rid of the evil coal-burning power plants and we save the planet from imminent doom, he sniffed. Now, uh, yes, CO2 is a naturally occurring phenomenon in nature. So is arsenic. Does anybody want to uh, give Mike Pence a glass of arsenic and see how that naturally occurring uh, uh, product goes? Really? Really, Mike Pence? Presumptive uh, GOP nominee? Yeah, really. Uh, He goes on to say, first, the Earth is actually cooler today than it was about 50 years ago. In fact, most climatologists agree that, at best, global warming is a theory about future climactic conditions and cannot be proven. True or false, Desi Doyen? False. Second, the greenhouse gases alluded to are real, but are mostly the result of volcanoes, hurricanes, and underwater... (laughs) Geologic displacements. I guess I don't have to ask you if that's I'll true or false. It. It's false. It's flat out false. Third, if there was ever, uh, if if there was global warming, there isn't. He adds, the global climate treaty brokered by Vice President Al Gore in Kyoto, Japan, last year is hardly the answer. <laughs> now listen closely here, China, and here's why. He says because China and Indonesia, population 2.2 billion, have said this would never. Uh, that they would never enter into the restriction, but they think it's a really good idea if we do. The stupidity and blatant unfairness of this treaty requires no additional comment. Now, no, I did not misread that. (laughs) 
<laughs> he said China and Indonesia would not uh, participate. What he was trying to say was China and India, with a population of 2.2 billion, would not participate in this. This has been a, a, a long canard from the right, which is utter nonsense, as we've seen both China and India now entering into the Paris Agreement. Oh, yeah, and China has, uh, has blown past everybody else in the world as the leader in renewable energy development. So whoever wrote that op-ed for him well, should have checked their facts. Well, you would also think that a guy from Indiana <laughs> would know the difference between India and Indonesia. And you would think he might be quite sensitive uh, to that, but apparently not so. Uh, finally, the uh, he says the global warming treaty will cost between 12,000 and 100,000 jobs in Indiana you got that one right. In Indiana alone, and uh, that you should now, uh, since they uh, 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 hammered out this treaty in Kyoto, you should expect your utility rates to go up about 50 percent. Has that has that happened? Uh, nope. Actually, uh, electricity rates around the country have pretty much fallen. Also uh, false then. Yes, totally uh, false. Uh, so Donald Trump, a huge liar, has apparently picked another huge liar to be his uh, vice presidential candidate. So uh, that's perfect. Uh, in the meantime, Newt Gingrich was not chosen to be the former U.S. House Speaker, was not chosen to be the Veep uh, nominee, apparently. He, for his part, is now calling for a religious test for Muslims. That's right. He's urging that we subject every Muslim American to uh, testing on the subject of Islamic law. And those who endorse Sharia, he said, should be summarily deported. Well, so much for the religious freedom and liberties that the uh, Mike Pence, the vice presidential candidate, is so interested in and all of these other Republicans uh, that pretend to give a damn about religious freedom. They and the Constitution. They don't really. Yes. And the Constitution, because this would, of course, be blatantly unconstitutional. Uh, in fact, of course, they're only just actually trying to punish the LGBT community whenever you hear that uh, about religious freedom. It's about uh, freedom to uh, hate the gays. Uh, President Obama uh, suggested that um, the, the idea that all Muslims be tested for their beliefs, he called it repugnant. Writing over at National Memo, Joe Conison says, uh, so the former speaker casually suggests that we trash the First Amendment and our tradition of religious freedom. Whatever Gingrich proposed is also a very stupid way to combat terrorism, which it would undoubtedly exacerbate. It would please the kind of bigots that he has always courted, but it would also uh, only isolate and alienate the Muslim community whose assistance in uprooting jihadi networks and identifying suspects is essential. Like his new idol Trump, writes Conison, Newt is just another useful idiot of ISIS, helping them to stage a holy war between Islam and the West. Indeed, uh, he, he goes on to say that if Republicans actually wanted to hinder ter uh, terrorists, they might actually consider, you know, confirming Adam Zubin, the uh, the president's highly qualified nominee, as uh, Conison calls him, for Treasury Undersecretary for Terrorism and financial intelligence. That would be the guy who oversees the transactions that are carried out in the dark to support uh, uh, terrorism around the world. Republicans won't even give this guy a, a vote to approve him, and they don't really have anything against him. His nomination has been stalled since April of 2015. 
Connison adds they might even consider legislation to tighten access to military assault weapons and explosives, which terrorists can so easily obtain in this country. But, of course, they will do none of those things. They're all about talk, mostly inane and destructive, not action. Now, I'm running a little bit late, so I don't have time to get into, uh, frankly, uh, he goes on, uh, Connison goes on to laud Obama's military efforts against ISIS, arguing that the uh, in the past few months, since the U.S. has stepped up its bombing and, and other campaigns there, the ISIS, that ISIS has lost about half of the territory that it had taken over in the Middle East uh, that they consider to be part of their caliphate. Uh, That is all well and good and swell. uh, But uh, frankly, there's a lot of problems I have with Obama's military efforts. Uh, But we will hold that larger conversation for another day. But the idea that Obama is not doing anything, uh, that he needs to take more military action, is, is patently ridiculous at this point. Okay, and uh, on to the convention now uh, this coming week in in Cleveland. We reported uh, yesterday just one correction I want to add here of a sort, not really ours, but to uh, some of the New York Times reporting. Uh, we had reported that the New York Times had released a list of scheduled speakers for the uh, for the Republican National Convention, noting that it was subject to change. Uh, But noting the former NFL quarterback and right wing icon of sorts, Tim Tebow, was listed as a speaker. Now, Trump had promised a star studded convention uh, and Tebow was pretty much the biggest star uh, named on that list. Uh, But on Thursday evening or afternoon, he posted a video to his Facebook page saying that he had just returned from the Philippines. He woke up and he heard the reports that he was going to speak at the RNC on the big fourth night, and he urged people to not believe the rumors that he says he knew nothing about this so-called speaking engagement. So um, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Who's actually going to speak? That is a hot mess of a campaign. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, uh, when it gets worse, so buckle up. Uh, we we uh, when we spoke with the GOP presidential historian, advisor, convention expert Doug Weed about whether the Never Trump movement would be able to make changes at the convention's uh, convention rules committee uh, to allow the delegates to vote their conscience instead of voting for whom their state parties had selected them to vote. Uh, Well, we talked about that yesterday. Doug Weed predicted that it would not happen. And indeed, by Thursday night, it appears that the RNC's Rules Committee had rebuffed those efforts, had stomped them out. Supposedly, reportedly, we will see uh, AP reports in a major blow to Republican foes of Donald Trump. A committee at the GOP National Convention voted late Thursday to rebuff a push to let delegates vote for any presidential candidate that they like. The Rules Committee used a voice vote to reject a proposal by a Colorado delegate, uh, Kendall Unruh, uh, to let delegates quote, cast a vote of conscience and abandon the candidate that they had been committed to by the state's uh, primaries or caucuses. That amendment became the focal point of furious lobbying, pitting, (laughs) I love how AB calls this, conservatives against the Trump campaign and top leaders of the Republican Party, as if the Trump campaign isn't conservative. I mean, who they call conservative here, none of them are conservatives. None of them are real conservatives. They're Republicans. They're right-wingers. They're wingnuts. 
but uh, none of them were conservative or they wouldn't all be out there trying to, uh, you know, do stuff like uh, deport Muslims and end religious and real religious freedom, take away freedoms from LGBT people, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, in any event, there was a, this was a 112-member rules committee. It was dominated by party and Trump loyalists. And uh, UNRWA is, I guess, her name here, or his name, Kendall UNRWA. Uh, oh, it's her. Like many of her allies, uh, she's a, a delegate for Ted uh, Cruz, for Texas Senator Ted Cruz, um, and his abandoned presidential campaign. She has said that she expects to collect 28 uh, signatures from 28 members of the rules panel, and that would then be enough to bring her proposal to a vote by the full convention, which opens on Monday. Trump campaign and the RNC say they uh, they expect to prevent that from happening. So we will see that could happen. That and some other moves uh, could be brought to the full floor, could lead to a floor fight. We'll see. But for now, it has been stomped down in the uh, in the rules committee prior to the convention. In the meantime, we'll see uh, what happens if this convention, frankly, <laughs> comes off at all. Politico has a, a kind of an amazing story. This is a letter addressed to the um, to Sheldon Adelson, Sheldon and Miriam Adelson, the uh, Las Vegas billionaire. They discovered a letter that uh, shows the GOP is now begging Sheldon Adelson for millions of dollars to help pay. It's an urgent request for six million dollars uh, from this uh, right wing uh, billionaire. A uh, letter is addressed to the Adelsons obtained by Politico. The Cleveland 2016 host committee revealed the names in this letter of more than two dozen prominent corporations and individuals who have reneged on a collective $8.1 million in pledged donations f for the convention, to hold the convention. The letter represents the most public acknowledgement to date that Donald Trump has directly cost convention organizers millions of fundraising dollars. It says over the past couple of months, negative publicity around our potential nominee <laughs> uh, has resulted in a considerable number of pledges backing out from their uh, from their commitments. It goes on to list a whole bunch of companies and wealthy individuals who have withdrawn their financial commitments to the uh, Republican National Convention, including a David Koch, one million dollars. He refused to give FedEx half a million dollars, half a million dollars they were planning to give to the Republican National Committee. Gosh, I wonder if Republicans would vote in favor of what FedEx cares about. Visa, a hundred thousand. Pepsi, half a million. Coca-Cola, one million dollars. Uh, the party, uh, the letter says, the party is now six million dollars below the sixty-four million dollars that was promised to bring the convention to Cleveland. So that means sixty-four million dollars have been given to Republicans to hold this convention in Cleveland. And let me be the first to note that I'm sure the numbers, I don't have the exact numbers here, but I'm sure the exact the, the numbers are the same or higher on the Democratic side from these huge corporations. And yet, of course, they will legislate against them. If need be, sure they will. The uh, the the letter asked uh, Sheldon Adelson uh, to single handedly close this shortfall, quote, we would greatly appreciate 
if you would consider a $6 million contribution to the Cleveland 2016 Host Committee to help us cross the finish line. This, is, this letter is dated uh, July 12th, so just days ago. The convention begins on July 18, and they are asking one guy, one guy can give $6 million. Please, pretty please, it's perfectly legal. It's not going to any campaigns. It's going to the convention. You can give as much as you want. Sheldon Adelson is worth an estimated $25 billion. The uh, Politico uh, reports that he's one of the few uh, GOP megadonors to come out strongly in support of who? Donald Trump. And it has been reported that Adelson could spend more than $100 million to back Trump, matching the uh, financial investment that Adelson uh, gave to Mitt Romney four years ago. An absolute obscene system of democracy and elections that we have in this country. One person can give $100 million to a, a candidate or more can give $6 million uh, to a campaign. Oh, you guys need a favor? Here's a check for $6 million. It's just amazing. Uh, going back uh, to January, the RNC uh, and its uh, chief strategist, Sean Spicer, had denied that Trump would cost the convention organizers money. But this uh, letter shows that that is apparently not true. Uh, also, other uh, companies that have withdrawn Earlier commitments to the uh, to the Republican Party, Apple, uh, $250,000, BP, $50,000, and United Health, half a million dollars, uh, all supposedly because of the negative publicity, thanks to the uh, presumptive Republican nominee. But frankly, does money even matter in the race against Donald Trump? Does it matter at all? That story and much more is next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round, like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to keep doing so, now more than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make a monthly pledge of any amount you like to help keep us going, or even just a one-time-only contribution. While everyone else covers the horse race, we also keep our eyes on the track conditions those horses are running on. Because voting systems, access to the polls, and citizen oversight of election results can make all the difference. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy. By taking about 60 seconds right now to stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. And thanks. Yeah, it, it is money that matters in the USA, and uh, we usually play that song uh, c concerning elections 
but I, I'm not so sure uh, how much money matters after all in this particular election, uh, at least as far as winning it. I'll, I'll get to that uh, point in a moment. But we've been talking over the past few days uh, about these polls and about Hillary Clinton seemingly plummeting in a number of, uh, of polls. Oh, welcome back to the broadcast. Did I say that? No. Oh, okay. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Okay. Uh, so we've been talking about the polls. Hillary Clinton's numbers have been falling in a lot of them since the... Um, since the uh, the investigation uh, completed into her personal email server. And uh, it should be, at least, scaring a lot of people who support her, a lot of her supporters. Uh, and yet, I mentioned on yesterday's program, I took all manner of grief originally by pointing out these numbers from the unbelievable partisans over at Daily Coast, uh, which is fine. As FDR said, I welcome their hatred. But uh, no, I don't. Uh, they're swell. They're, they're just, just very passionate. No, they're just wrong a lot of times. <laughs> but anyway, um, so uh, they are passionate. And uh, we were reporting on the fact that uh, in swing states, we saw in particular in this uh, Quinnipiac poll at first, we saw an 11 point drop in Florida for Hillary Clinton, who had been leading in the state. Uh, 47 to 39. She's now losing in the state, according to that same Quinnipiac poll, 42 to 39. So she had been uh, leading by like eight points, now is losing by three points, an 11 point drop. She was uh, in that poll tied uh, in Ohio. In Ohio, she's tied with Donald Trump, and Trump is beating her in Pennsylvania by two according to that poll and it's only one poll and these things are only snapshots in time but I think they are worth noting on that same day initially a national poll came out Marist poll showing that Clinton's lead over Trump had shrunk from nine points down to three points nationally and then the next day uh, a new time a new poll from CBS and New York Times showing that uh, Clinton had lost her six-point lead over Donald Trump, that she is now tied with Donald Trump nationally. Well, guess what has happened today? Donald Trump has now taken a lead over Hillary Clinton nationally. Slim, but a lead nonetheless. Donald Trump uh, now leads Hillary Clinton based on strong support from white voters, particularly men, that, according to a USC Los Angeles Times daybreak tracking poll, this marks a significant shift in a race that most polls indicated Clinton had led since mid-May. Again, nationally, we don't have national elections here. They are state by state, but these numbers are worth noting. Support for the former secretary of state. Uh, declined last week when FBI Director James Comey characterized her handling of classified material while in uh, in that office of Secretary of State as, quote, extremely careless, although he also said that her, condu her conduct and that of her aides did not clearly violate the law or warrant prosecution. Trump, uh, the L.A. Times notes, continues to face formidable obstacles to winning. Even as new surveys show the, right, the race tightening, he has not significantly increased his support. Since February, when he began to dominate the Republican primaries, they say his backing in head-to-head matchups with Clinton has rarely risen above 40 percent. Instead, these new surveys, several of them uh, show Clinton's support declining. So Clinton is going down. Trump is not necessarily going up. 
make of that what you will. In this new tracking poll, Trump led Clinton uh, from the uh, L.A. Times 43 to 40 percent. So by three points. Now, that is within the poll's margin of error, which happens to be three points in either direction, meaning the paper notes that the lead could be just the result of chance. But he does now lead her 43 to 40. And this tracking poll in specific, it is a brand new poll. Uh, it, it, it's a new poll entirely. In other words, not just the results, but the poll, the existence of the poll itself. They call it the daybreak tracking poll. And it is different, they, they say, from traditional polls in a couple of aspects. One of them is that rather than questioning a different group of respondent respondents for each poll as they're tracking, they rely on a panel of the same 3,000 people who have been recruited at random to represent U.S. households. So uh, they use the same people every time. So changes in this poll as we watch it going forward are really people, specific people changing their minds rather than the result of variations in who might answer a particular survey, according to the director of the uh, USC Dorns Life Center, uh, who it is said pioneered this approach for the uh, 2012 election while at Rand Corporation. The panel uh, the panel design typically shows less volatility than traditional polls, the paper notes. Four years ago, it proved more accurate than most other surveys in forecasting, forecasting the election results. Although, quote, maybe that was beginner's luck, says Ari Captain, the director of the, uh, of the center. So uh, from slipping to tying to now losing to Donald Trump in these latest polls. Again, only a snapshot. What happens at the conventions, both the Republican and the Democratic ones, will make a difference. But boy, I don't think you'd want to shoot the messenger for telling you about that, as some have. I think you would say thank you for uh, bringing this up and raising this point of concern. This concern that very well could lead to Donald Trump becoming the next president of the United States. And now we don't support candidates uh, here one way or another. I, uh, you know, I support voters, not candidates. I will support voters of Donald Trump as much as I would support voters of Hillary Clinton, of Jill Stein, of Gary Johnson, of anybody else. Um, but in this case, I ain't telling you to go out and vote for anybody. Uh, but I am saying Donald Trump represents a menace and a danger to these United States. So I guess I'm telling you... I'm not even going to tell you to not vote for him, but I do think it would be a bad idea. That's just me, perhaps. Um, mean, in the meantime, Democrats are, quote, freaked out about polls, uh, at least up in the U.S. Senate. Senate Democrats are reportedly freaked out about the polls uh, and said as much in a meeting with Hillary Clinton this week, according to The Hill. Nervous Senate Democrats, the, the Hill says, uh, raised concerns with Hillary Clinton during a private meeting in the Capitol on Thursday over a recent poll showing Donald Trump leading or tied in several battleground states. Mind you, that poll, that was before these other ones came out. These other ones that showed her tied nationally and then uh, losing to Trump nationally. They were freaking out. Uh, some people were freaked out. This is a quote um, from a uh, Democratic senator who attended the meeting, unnamed senator. People were freaked out. They were looking down at their po at the polls on Real Clear Politics and asking why it was so close. Clinton's response, 
She said there are other issues. People are unhappy and they don't trust institutions, the senator explained. Um, Hillary Clinton, the Clinton family, is kind of an institution themselves, aren't they? In Washington, D.C., two-term president. Uh, then she became a senator and the secretary of state. Uh, yeah, people are unhappy. They don't trust institutions. And if you read the polls, again, sorry to uh, disrupt your day, people at Daily Coast, but they don't trust Hillary Clinton for right or wrong, for good or bad. And we've you know, said there has been a lot of bad reporting, even on these uh, uh, this uh, email server issue. A lot of bad reporting, making claims about Hillary Clinton that she uh, did things that she did not do. Nonetheless, um, that's the way people feel. And I guess something to take into mind as we head into the Democratic Convention and then the general election for whatever it is worth. I mean, it's obviously a sign about the, Yeah, I know it's obviously a sign that there is something that the campaign is trying to get out to the American people that is not getting out to the American people. And you'd think that that would be a clue, a sign to say, hey, maybe we should look at what we're doing and try to change it a little bit. The uh, lawmakers, Democratic lawmakers, said they, uh, according to the Hill, said they felt reassured that when the margin between Clinton and Trump narrows, it's because Clinton's numbers dip, not because Trump's climb so somehow they take some reassurance from that. Uh, but the sense of uneasiness among Senate Democrats is heightened by their observation that Trump has stayed within striking distance in pivotal states despite being vastly, vastly outspent. NBC News reported this week that Clinton's campaign and allied super PACs have spent $57 million so far, while Trump's campaign has spent zero, zero. Two allied uh, outside uh, group super PACs uh, uh, allied to Donald Trump have spent only $3.6 million. So Team Clinton, the paper says, has outspent Team Trump in nine battleground states by a 40 to 1 ratio, and yet... She's tied or losing to him nationally and uh, tied or losing to him in many of those battleground states, despite a 40 to 1 spending ratio. What does that say? That's the same thing we saw, by the way, in the primaries, in the Republican primaries, which all Democrats throughout the entire primary. I was saying over and over again, hey, Democrats, pay attention to what's going on over here. And they were laughing. They were chuckling. Oh, that's just among Republicans. Don't worry about the fact that Jeb Bush has spent. Uh, tens of millions of dollars and all of the others had spent tens of millions of dollars but could not make a dent in in uh, Donald Trump's campaign. That's just the Republicans. It's all going to change for the general election. Well, really? So far, it hasn't. We'll see if it does. But uh, Democrats would... Uh, <laughs> Be wise to pay attention to all of this. Uh, speaking of which, there's good reason to be freaked out. Aside from the the the, the fact that money doesn't seem to be helping uh, much against Trump, then there's the terrorist attacks that uh, I've warned could lead, you know, especially one in this country at a certain timing uh, could lead people towards the more authoritarian of the two candidates. 
And then, yes, there is the fra fragility of our voting and vote counting system in this country that we've spent uh, so many years reporting on here on the Bradcast and at bradblog.com. Uh, speaking of which, California has now finally, finally certified the results from its June 7 election. Today, they certify. About 40 days after the election, this comes after the verification and the computer tabulation of a late vote by mail and uh, ballots and provisional ballots. The last officially reported statewide totals, I believe, to be certified uh, within the next hour or two out here in California, show Hillary Clinton defeating Bernie Sanders. Uh, by seven points, 53% to 46%. That is in contrast with the, uh, I think it was about 13 points on election night that Clinton was uh, beating Bernie Sanders. That margin narrowed over the, uh, over the past month as they've been counting provisionals and vote-by-mail ballots. Which take a lot of time because they have to be verified, and that takes lots of time. It takes a lot of time, and uh, and many of them weren't accepted that I think might should have been accepted. Uh, in, uh, in L.A., there was tens of thousands that were, in fact, uh, accepted because uh, due to the diligence of Bernie Sanders supporters who oversaw uh, the counting and saw a procedure that was taking place in the provisional ballots uh, as far as which should and shouldn't be included, uh, we had a guest, the guest, who actually uh, discovered this issue going on and made the case to the uh, to L.A. County and was able to save tens of thousands of ballots. Uh, in any event, and we're still looking at these numbers and concerns and questions and problems that people have. Many of them have been brought up. We've debunked on this show or I've spoken to election officials and I found that mm, not as much there as Bernie Sanders uh, supporters. Some Bernie Sanders supporters had claimed we will continue to look at them. In any event, the California election certified with a, a seven point victory for Hillary Clinton over Bernie Sanders. That equates to about 360,000 votes out of some 5 million votes tallied in that race. Uh, voters in California, if you are concerned about the results out here, you can ask for a hand count. You can file for a hand count in any county across the state, any precinct. You can ask for a hand count for the six days following today's certification of the uh, results from the June 7 election out here in California. So we'll see. And there may be some challenges. I know there are going to be some lawsuits. I know there are some lawsuits that are filed, some with legitimate concerns. Others I find uh, I am less persuaded by, but we will cover them and let you know about them as they uh, need to be known about. Is that a phrase? It is now. All right, a quick break, and we're back with more uh, stuff that you need to know about. Here on the Bradcast, I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now.
Our love goes out to the people of uh, France and, uh, frankly, all of Europe at this uh, horribly difficult time. Uh, but we all uh, press on, uh, and including uh, uh, the folks in, in the U.K. I'll, I'll get to that in a moment, but I wanted a, a real quick uh, email here, actually a tweet uh, from G. Kane, who calls himself Cool Dad 2 on the Twitters. He tweeted me, as you can, at the Brad blog to say, you let Doug Weed say Democrat Party several times yesterday. That's so insulting. Where are your cojones? talking about my guest, uh, Doug Weed, the presidential historian and advisor. Uh, and uh, it's a fair uh, question, uh, critique, whatever you want to call it. It is an insult to the Democratic Party in general to call them the Democrat Party. And Doug Weed did do that. He's a Republican. He did this several times, though. I should note that there are also uh, Democrats who I talk to who use that phrasing particularly in places uh, from Texas, Des. I don't want to blame you and your Texas kin, but I do hear that a lot from Democrats uh, from Texas and elsewhere, where I guess there's a lot of wingnut culture built into the media and thus the electorate. Um, still, it's based on a longtime propaganda campaign by Republicanists to uh, to belittle uh, the Democratic Party. And uh, that said, I got to say, I pick and choose my battles. On this show and in life and in the case with Doug Weed, while I uh, I heard him say that twice, I, I don't think he was doing it uh, as a pejorative in those cases. And more importantly, that conversation was about getting information on what his party was thinking as they go into this insane Republican convention at this insane time. So, uh, in other words, that interview was not about confrontation as much as information Gathering from a longtime uh, Republican stalwart. But uh, nonetheless, uh, G. Kane's critique is fair and valid. And I've also heard that same uh, similar complaint, by the way, from others following yesterday's show and my discussion with Weed. So I wanted to uh, to share it with you. Thank you, Cool Dad, too, for sending that in. You can send me email yourself at the Brad blog if you like. Uh, OK, uh, as we wrap up here today, John Judas over at TPM brings this to our attention. And I think it's worth noting, uh, he writes, uh, ever wonder what a center right and not an actual right wing politician sounds like? And it's true because I talk all the time about right wingers. These aren't just center right. These aren't just conservatives. They're right wing politicians that we now have in this country. So he says, ever wonder what a, an actual center right, not right wing politician sounds like? He says they used to be fairly common in the U.S., but beginning in the late 70s, they were hounded out of the Republican Party. They are now virtually extinct. And he goes on to quote what Britain's new conservative party, Tory Prime Minister Theresa May said in her brief opening speech on Thursday, and I think it's worth reading because it's kind of amazing to hear. Again, this is the conservative party in the UK. Compare this to what you would hear here in this country from the Republican Party, frankly, from many Democrats. She said, I'll, I'll read you a couple paragraphs. She said, we believe in a union, not just between the nations of the United Kingdom, but between all of our citizens, every one of us, whoever we are and wherever we are from. That means fighting against the burning injustice that if you're born poor, you will die on average nine years earlier than others. If you're black, you're treated more harshly by the criminal justice system than if you're white. If you're a white working class boy, you're less likely than anybody else in Britain to go to university. 
If you're at a state school, you're less likely to reach the top professions than if you're educated privately. If you're a woman, you will earn less than a man. If you suffer from mental health problems, there's not enough help to hand. If you're young, you'll find it harder than ever before to own your own home. But the mission to make Britain a country that works for everyone means more than fighting these injustices. If you're from an ordinary working-class family, life is much harder than many people in Westminster realize. You have a job, but you don't always have job security. You have your own home, but you worry about paying the mortgage. You can just about manage, but you worry about the cost of living and getting your kids into a good school. If you're one of those families, if you're just managing, I want to address you directly. I know you're working around the clock. I know you're doing your best, and I know that sometimes life can be a struggle. The government I lead will be driven not by interests of the privileged few, but by yours. We will do everything we can to give you more control over your lives. When we take the big calls, we'll think not of the powerful, but you. When we pass new laws, we'll listen not to the mighty, but to you. When it comes to taxes, we'll prioritize not the wealthy, but you. When it comes to opportunity, we won't entrench the advantages of the fortunate few. We will do everything we can to help anybody, whatever your background, to go as far as your talents will take you. That was uh, Conservative Party Prime Minister now, Theresa May of, uh, of the United Kingdom. John Judas at TPM says that uh, if Republicans were to field a candidate, who said things like that, the Democrats in this country would be in a lot of trouble. He adds that May, uh, Theresa May, won't necessarily deliver uh, on, those, uh, on those words, especially if she continues to worship at the altar of fiscal austerity. But rhetorically, this is certainly an impressive beginning. It is indeed. We'll see how it, uh, impressive it continues to be or not. All right. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and uh, to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us on the Bradcast. It is greatly appreciated, as is the support from so many of you at bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you for helping us to continue to do, or at least to try to do, what we do here on the air every day. We couldn't do it without your help and without your support. It is greatly appreciated. Uh, if you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it as ever at bradblog.com or over at iTunes where you can subscribe for free. And please uh, leave us some nice words over there so that other folks find it. You can comment on our programs at bradblog.com and, of course, at Daily Coast where we post it as well. Uh, and you can drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. That's it for today. Until we meet again, and I mean this sincerely as I do every day, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.